Well, good morning again. Good to have you here. If you're visiting with us for the very first time, or you're just back for the first time in years, we're just so excited that you're here. Make sure that you introduce yourself to me afterwards. I'll be mingling out there somewhere. I'd just love to meet you. And uh, if you're watching online, glad that you're with us. We pray that you'll be encouraged by our time together this morning. I wanted to do a series on forgiveness. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do this series on forgiveness is because of how significant it is, not only in the life of believers, but also in the life of transition. I'll explain a little bit more as we go together. I know one thing about time. When it's gone, you can't get it back. When you lose money, you can earn it back in time. But when you and I lose time, it's over. Time treats everyone the same. Young or old, rich or poor, athletic or computer geek. If you're like me, there are some days that you wish that you could turn back time. And for some of you, you've just heard a song that you've heard many, many years. Don't tell anybody because that'll let you know how, that'll let them know how old you are. Many are fans of the movie series Back to the Future. Some of the best movies were put out during that time. Yet some of us would join in stepping into a time capsule and turning the dial to back to the past. To sit and visit the past to stop a conversation of betrayal from taking place. To prevent a decision that devastated your life and maybe even the lives of others. What other events or circumstances do you wish that you could have a do-over with? I'm sure if we took the time, every one of us, if I went from the left side to the right side, we'd all have a thing, we'd all have an experience, we'd all have a person that we wish we could roll back time and have a do-over. Do you and I have to stop, when, pardon me, when do you and I have to stop to pay for decisions that were bad or poor choices that we've made. Why is it you and I would like to turn back time? What was that last question again? Oh, remember, what is, why is it that you and I would like to turn back time? I think the answer is very simple. We all have done things and said words we wish we could take back, but we can't. The damage is done. The opportunities have slipped away. Time has passed. And so why would I speak on forgiveness today? It's a great question. Over the past many years that I've been doing transition, two significant issues come to the surface very, very quickly as I start. One of them I've already talked about before, and that's allowing time for people to grieve a previous leadership. We've talked about that before. But the second thing is helping restore broken relationships. And, and friends, of, of the 140 some odd people that I've interviewed, a lot of them, this is the topic that we have to address. You see, I sometimes have to help people who have been hurt or have hurt others or who have been betrayed or who have betrayed others. And so it's significant for us. You see, this is what I want you to understand. Without this forgiveness that God provides for us, it would be impossible for us to forgive ourselves and others 
and live in the freedom of forgiveness. You see, forgiveness is under, misunderstood. It's mismanaged. It's malpracticed. And we rarely seek it, and we are often resistant to offering it, yet we all need it. Today I want to give you the foundational passage to understand this principle of forgiveness. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is the ultimate culmination of God's plan to forgive us from sin. And without forgiveness, there is no hope of reconciliation between others and us and between God and us. And yet at the same time, friends, there is great power in forgiveness. Look in your outline if you have your sermon notes with you. Romans chapter 6, Paul wrote this, Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glorious power of the Father, we too may live a new life. The power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power behind forgiveness, and that's the power of the resurrection. You see, finding forgiveness is the key to finding power for living. Write that down in your notes. Finding forgiveness is the key to finding power for living. You see, you can't forgive anyone until you've understood and acknowledged and received God's forgiveness. So I want to go to a passage of scripture that for many of us that have been in the church for years, we all know this passage. If you have your Bible or if you have your Bible on your app, look at Luke chapter 15. Typically, I would stand and read this passage, but for the sake of time, and we have communion coming up at the end of the service, I'm just going to work my way through it. Many of you know what the story is all, all about. So let's just start in verse 11. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the young son got Together, all that he had sent out for a distant country. I want you to basically understand that what the son basically said to his dad was, I wish you were dead. This is a divine drama. It illustrates how all of humanity decides to turn their backs on God and ultimately leave what is best for us. You see, when we decide to return to God, God lays out a very clear path of how we can do it. This clear path of returning to God is through Jesus Christ, God's Son. And the best way for us to understand this story is illustrated in this story that we're talking about by the word home. How many of you here today, show up, show up your hand. You know the story of the prodigal son. You know it. You understood it. Okay. I get it. Could I ask you to do a couple things this morning? Would you open your mind up to the possibility that you might be a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter who needs to return home to a loving father? Would you consider for just a few minutes with me how God is indeed a loving Father who, des who desires to restore this relationship with you, who wants to forgive you, who wants to wipe your slate clean, who wants to welcome you back into the family even though you've turned your back on him? Consider this for a moment. 
that you've exchanged your life for something best in pursuing something less. You see, forgiveness is possible and it's powerfully demonstrated in a very familiar story. And we can return home to God and we can make a fresh start. So let's look in your notes. How do we find forgiveness? First of all, we need to acknowledge that we need God. So there's three steps that we're going to look at this morning. There's not a lot for you to fill out this morning. I want you just to listen. What is a prodigal? Someone who runs away from home. This is the story we're, we're reading together. Someone who turns their back on their family. Someone who turns their back on faith. Someone who wastes all their money on stuff. Someone who you fill in the blank. What is a prodigal? Please don't miss this. Look in your notes. If you're writing them, here's a place where you need to fill them out. A prodigal is somebody who leaves a better way of life for a lesser way of life. In other words, it's saying no to the best and yes to the less. You see a young man who left home with all his belongings and and set out to live extravagantly. And two things happen. After a period of time, he runs out of money. (laughs) How many of you have ever, how many of you and I have ever been there? We've been there, right? And there was a famine that hit the land. And he begins to starve. Now, I've never experienced life at this level, but the closest I can get to it, and it's really a sad connection, is whenever I go back to Ontario to visit my, vo- my, my friends or my family, and they offer me a steak, that's when I crave Alberta beef. <laughs> There's nothing in Ontario that even smells like a steak from Alberta or Saskatchewan. So things could be better if the only job he can find is working with pigs in the pigsty. Isn't that significant when you look in this story? That he loses it all. And you know, why is it so significant that it, it talks about the fact that he's feeding pigs? You see, there's no detail in scripture that's just there. You have to understand the people of Israel. Jewish people were, pro, were pro, pro, prohibited, pardon me, to associate with pork or to eat pork. So this shows how low this boy had gone. Have you ever been or seen a person who hit rock bottom? Or you thought I would never think that they would do that and they've done it? Look what it says in verse 17 in your notes. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have fared a food to spare, and here I am starving to death. What did he do? He began recognizing that he, he was experiencing a lesser life than what was available to him. He had realized that he had settled for something less than the best. So what does this mean for you and I this morning? Well, in that passage there, I want you to circle a couple of things. Circle came to his senses. He woke up to the reality of his station in life. He woke up to the stench in his life. He became aware of his sin and his situation. And again, when I read scripture, I put myself right in that spot and I go, look at where I am. I'm in a mess. I'm in a pigsty. And the pigsty in the story represents the illusion of sin 
and what it offers us. We begin to think that leaving God's best for something less will be rather extravagant. And at the beginning, it felt like it. But that's the deception, friends. He had the money, he had the friends, he had the fun, but in the end, he was out of cash. He was out of friends, and he finds himself in the dirt, in pig dung mud. And the pigsty represents for us the trap of sin. But don't miss this. What does he do when he wakes up to the illusion of what he thought was happiness? Write this in your notes. He starts thinking about home. You and I begin to recognize that there's more to life than what we're experiencing. He began to think about what he had lost by leaving his father. And it means that we begin in turn to turn toward our Heavenly Father and realize many different things. We understand that he, we turn our Father's back on us, and he's the one that loved us. We recognize that we need his forgiveness because we have turned our backs on him and settled for the less than the best. But don't miss this. The only proper person to look to is God. The ultimate level of forgiveness we need to experience is God's experience. It's God forgiveness. To recognize God's forgiveness means that you must admit that you have gone your own way. You might be saying, well, I'm not in a pigsty. Well, that may be true. But you may know the emptiness that you feel being separated from God this morning. When you're alone, I bet you think there must be more to life than what you're experiencing. I know that because I've done that and hundreds of other people have done that too. That's why you're here. You're here because deep down you're searching. But listen, long before you decided to come here, God took the first step towards coming to you. God knows you better than you know yourself and deserves a relationship, desires a relationship, pardon me, with you more than you want with him. And this is clearly illustrated by God sending his son to earth. In your notes, John chapter 1, verse 17, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He lived, and then he chose to die on a cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later was raised to life so that God could show you and me that he has done all these things for us to return home. You know this, verse John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. When you and I realize that we need God, we understand that God has already done all he needs to do for us to come and experience a better life. Then, here's the next step. We get to choose to go back home. Recognizing my need for God is not enough. You and I have to take action. Did you notice that this, in the story that the father did not force him to stay at home? even though he knew his son was making a huge mistake. Now, how many of you dads, how many of you would at least lock the door and not let them out? Some people have called this not the prodigal son story, it's the prodigal father story. No father in their right mind would do what he did. But did you ever notice in this story that the father doesn't leave home chasing after him and forcing him back home? You see, the decision to return home is the son's decision to make. 
The Father can't make it for him. You see, God loves us way too much to take away our freedom of choice. Just as we have the freedom to turn our back on God and go our own way, we also have the freedom to choose to return home and return to God. It is our choice. God can't make that choice for us. And so the hero in our story is sitting with the pigs, and he says this in verse 18 in your notes. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I, will no longer, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. He did four things, friends. He thought about home. He admitted his need. He put together a speech. And he got on his feet. In this story, home is the place where the son belongs. And it's the place where you and I belong. Finally, the son says, this is stupid. It's stupid for me to live in this misery when I remember what home was like. It's much better than here. But he also understands that in order for him to return home, he's got to ask for forgiveness. And my friends... When I talk to people about forgiveness, this is the most challenging point. I've had many people sit in my, my office upstairs and I've asked them the question, what do you need to do? I need to forgive. So when is that gonna take place? I'm not sure. You see, our story is all about a spiritual journey. In our lives, our home is with God, and we were created to have a relationship with him. Do you see the connection? Just as the son decided to turn his back on his father and leave home, we decided to turn our backs on God and go our own way through our sins. God says, this is the best for your life. This is my will for your life. It's all over here, and I want you to come home over here. We say, no, God, I know better. I know how I should live my life. I'm going to live my life this way. And that's called sin, and that sin severs our relationship with God. It hinders our relationship with God, and the only solution for us to decide is to return home and to look at our lives and say, as the son did, this is senseless. It is senseless to live my life apart from God. I'm not happy. I'm, not, I'm dealing with an emptiness in my life. I am dealing with loneliness. I'm dealing with a lack of purpose in my life. And no, it has to be better with God. So what am I going to do right now that needs to be fixed? All we have to do is admit that we've turned our backs on God and ask him for forgiveness. And that's the one step we must all make to return home. The problem is that we think that the journey back home is going to be difficult and arduous and takes a long time. But the truth is, the journey back to God is no longer than only one step. We think that we have to be perfect but you don't have to be perfect to return to God. We think we've got to get rid of all of life's sins and, and return then to God. 
But we, we don't have to overcome all of our addictions and problems to come back to God. All you have to do is take the first step and ask him for forgiveness. You take that one step and God will cover the rest. For those of you that are following along in our reading program, if you listened to our reading program this morning, the summary video, there was a, a quote that was made just in passing, but I, it just smacked me right between the eyes. It was a Martin Luther quote. And Martin Luther was asked, what did he contribute to his salvation? And after pausing and thinking, Martin Luther said, sin and resistance. That's all I contributed. The empty tomb is not about us, not about overcoming our sins so we can be with God. Pardon me, the, the empty tomb is not about overcoming our sins so we can be with God. The empty tomb is about God overcoming our sins to be with us. You see, God showed that symbolically on Good Friday. And that at the time of Jesus' death, the scripture tells us that only one person could enter into the holy place, and that was a high priest, on one day of the year. Just think about that. One day, as only the one day that you knew your sins could be forgiven. Talk about pressure. One day, on the Day of Atonement, the priest would venture behind the thick curtain. He had to be perfectly pure. He had to have a, they had to have a stand-in high priest. They had a stand-in wife because if he, if he died or if his wife died the night before, he would be ceremoniously unclean due to the death. And this, would, this day was critical. Nothing could stop it. They had to tie a rope to his leg in case when he did go into the holy of holies, that the requirements of purity, if they weren't met, he would die in God's presence. And you see, no one could go in there to get him out. So they would pull him out. That's how holy this place was. The Apostle Mark, recording Peter's words, said this in Mark chapter 15, verses 37 and 38. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, the separation between God and us was torn when Jesus died on the cross. It symbolizes that everyone has access to God because of the resurrection of Jesus. God is reaching out to you and to me, no matter what we've done or what I've done, no matter how far we've traveled from God or who you are, God is still reaching out to you. You see, no pigsty is too deep that God's love is not deeper. It is never too late to return to God. You have to take one step and ask for forgiveness. And maybe today is the day you need to take that first step back to God and ask him for forgiveness. You can do more than just dream about home. You can step towards him today. Remember that God has already taken the biggest step towards you and towards me, and that's through the power of the resurrection. And all we have to do is believe. Go back to John 3.16 again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him. Now who is him? In him is God's path to you to receive forgiveness. It's Jesus. And it, he leads us to step number three. We need to receive his forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, Christ is in 
He's the him. Jesus is a clear path back to God. And when we receive God's forgiveness through him, God treats us like a son or daughter. Someone has said that love is an act of endless forgiveness. How many are you married? Is that a true statement or not? Of course it is. Look at how it's articulated as we pick up the story in our notes. Look at verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Did you notice that he didn't throw his arms around him and give him a lecture? Did you notice that he, he, he didn't throw his arms around him and condemn him? He threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, friends, think about what I've just described to you. This son doesn't smell that good. Have you ever been around a homeless person who's living on the street? I have. All of our senses are screaming, do not touch them. But the father wraps his arms around this pig-smelled cord and breath, and despite the dirt caked on his son's face, he kisses him, and he whispers in his ear, I love you, my son. You're finally home. What a welcome back. When you and I decide to return to God, we need to know this. God is not mad at you. Like the father in this story, he longs for you and I to return to him. God is the loving father who operates towards us with grace and is willing to offer forgiveness to us. Yes, the son admitted he was wrong, but the father received him back. And Jesus tells us this story to help us to get a clear picture of God's heart for you and for me. God wants to forgive us. God wants us to come to him. Now notice what he does. Let's carry on in our story. We're almost there. Hang on. Okay, we're almost there. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. There's four words I want you to circle in that passage. The first one is robe. He put a robe on him. That was a symbol of honor. It was a symbol of you're a part of my family. Welcome back. You see, these details aren't just here for the story. They're, they're very intricate in understanding what restoration looks like. The second one is calf. That indicates an important event, a great celebration. They didn't just kill the fatted calf for anything. It was something special. The son was home. Circle sandals. Now, this one's weird for us. But in those days, a slave was barefoot. And remember he said, when he go back to the passage prior to this, he said, I'm going to go back as a, not as a son, but as a slave. So he came to his dad barefoot indicating he was willing to be a slave. 
But when he puts sandals on him, he's saying to his boy, you are not a slave. You're my son. And the last one I want you to circle is ring. This one is often overlooked, but it's a symbol that the heritage between the father and the son was not broken. This was like giving him the power of eternity, a power of attorney. He has given him all the benefits, and even though he has left the best things for the less, the father fully restores him and gave him all the benefits. It is just amazing how God treats us. God says, when you recognize your need for me, when you return home to me, when you receive forgiveness through Christ, I will give you all the benefits of a son and daughter. As if you have lost nothing, you can return home. Well, how do we get these gifts? They come through Jesus. On the cross, Jesus paid the price for us to receive these gifts. Through his resurrection, we can claim these gifts. There are many different gifts in the scripture that we can receive when we return home, but one of them is called eternal life. Most people misunderstand what it means to, re to receive forgiveness and then get eternal life. Look at what it says in John 3.16. We've been unpacking this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son who ever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life. This is a summary of all the benefits that you'll receive when you trust in Christ. Some think of it just as about when we die, but these are the these, there are consequences when we die, but there are also implications, friends, for us living today. And eternal life implies that when you return home to God and receive forgiveness through Christ, you get the best life possible. A life better than we've ever dreamed. I want to give you a memory verse for this week. It's in your notes, in the black box there. From Romans chapter 4. He has handed over to he was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. In a few minutes, we're going to share communion together. There's some next steps there I want you to think about in response to this message today. God wipes your slate clean. He invites you back home and he offers you for this forgiveness and then he gives you the gifts that are worthy of being his ultimate creation. That's the power of ultimate forgiveness. Now look, are you ready to make the decision today to receive God's forgiveness? Maybe you've never done that before this morning. Like the son in the story, you can simply return home. It's not an arduous journey, but a simple step. It's not just a decision. It's that you have to decide to return home to God, to receive God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. That's what being a Christian is all about. And I hope that you will decide to receive that gift today. Today, the most important thing we offer you about forgiveness is knowing that God has forgiven you. This is the foundation. In order for me to forgive myself, in order for us to forgive others, in order for us not to be given into resentment and bitterness, we have to lay the foundation that we experience the forgiveness of God. Because when we understand the totality of what that means in our life, 
It gives us the power. It gives us the context of forgiving others. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this great day. I thank you that we get to, in a few minutes, just remember your death. And we also remember your resurrection. His life demonstrates to us so clearly your desire to have each of us come home where the best is. Forgive us for settling for the less than the best. Teach us to hear your voice and to keep coming back to you. You know, if you want to pray a prayer right now in your heart, maybe you can pray something like this. Heavenly Father, thank you for welcoming me home. Today I receive your forgiveness. Help me grow and understand what it means to follow you. Please help me grow to share my faith with others and to fully experience the freedom found in forgiveness. If you prayed that prayer, God heard you. Welcome home. Father in heaven, today we've got to see an incredible picture of how you receive us when we see our need and come home to you. Left all by ourselves, giving into our desires and wants, we end up in the pigsty just like this young man. And thank you that every moment of every day you are waiting, you are longing, you are looking for each one of us to turn around that corner and see and feel your unconditional love as you embrace us. Finding forgiveness is the key to finding the power for living. And every one of us here in this auditorium or watching online needs forgiveness, and you provided it. Help us to see how you forgave us when we did nothing but sin against you and resist you like Luther did. For this has tremendous implications of how we're going to deal with our relationships as we carry on thinking about forgiveness. We thank you for meeting with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.